Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the... Oh, sorry, I, Kevin, I almost messed this up. From the from the Connor to my Ripley, it's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm feeling very good about that particular uh, set of comparisons. And so, very, great. And our very own Granger. That's right, it's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how are you doing? I'm not, I'm not Newt, so I'm feeling pretty great. Yeah, all right. Uh, We got to start in. There's only one place we could start. Okay, Uh, a team legend has decided to hang up the cleats today. Uh, A a person that you know, I think we've given a a little bit of guff to on this podcast for having a pretty low catch rate, but someone I think we all agree who has part of three of the biggest, I don't know, five catches in team history, and that's Jermaine Curse. And uh, and for me, I, I think it's just like this. Okay, Jermaine Curse. Does Jermaine Curse go to the Hall of Fame? Hell no. Does he go in the ring of honor? No. No, he does not. He doesn't do that either. But is Jermaine Curse the kind of guy, he's the kind of team legend that you roll out every other year to uh, to pull up the 12th man flag? Hell yeah, he is. He's a local kid who made some of the biggest plays in team history. I love Jermaine Curse for that. And I'll never, he contributed something very special to my, uh, you know, to my life. And uh, you know what? Good. I'm glad he had a great career. He made a, hopefully made a lot of money, and he's able to use that to propel him throughout his life. Jermaine Kerr should never pay for a beer in Seattle for the rest of his life. Okay, <laughs> if you see Jermaine Kerr and you're hanging out, you buy that man a beer. He deserves it. Okay, if that, in fact, I'm going to go even farther. If we punch it in to win the second Super Bowl, that Jermaine Kerr's leg catch is like one of the top greatest plays in Super Bowl history. It's up there in the pantheon, you know, with the helmet catch. It's it's right there. It's in the pantheon of all time great uh, Super Bowl big plays. But we uh, we didn't score, so so uh, I don't want to bring that. I don't want to talk about that anymore. All right, uh, Kevin, Eric, what are your thoughts on the uh, the retirement of Jermaine Curse? Uh, Eric, you want to take this one first? Yeah, sure. I I've been the hardest on Jermaine Curse on this podcast um, for years. I didn't want him. That wasn't Eric. I didn't do that. R R I P everyone's ears. That was me. <laughs> Uh, I've been I've been the harshest on Jermaine Curse. Uh, I have no problem saying that. And I'll stand by everything I said today. I will say, yeah, Nathan, that catch in the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl was over before the actual Super Bowl was over. It was over before Jermaine Curse brought it back to life for us. Um, but my favorite memory is uh, it's not how you start; it's how you finish. That long bomb from Russell Wilson in the NFC Championship game, the Jermaine yep. Curse caught. I- after, after he failed, after he hit two interceptions straight into the other team's hands, after hitting so many reasons why I didn't like him and why I was so against him, but don't forget that amazing catch that wasn't a gimme. He had a guy literally. You could pause the game. I think it's on early on, like one of my pictures on my Instagram. He had a corner backpack. Yes, the guy literally had his feet off the ground, his hands <laughs> around him, and Jermaine made that catch standing. And uh, I will always appreciate that, Mister Curse. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that was uh, pressed into service due to the way the roster was constructed, asked to play beyond his capabilities, and performed well enough. He was a cog that we needed at a time that we needed it, and he'd be much more fondly remembered if he would have stayed our wide receiver three forever. But, you know, instead he was pressed into further action, and it showed why he was a UDFA, and... Um, it, it doesn't take away from the fact that, yeah, that NFC championship game catches someone I'll always remember. He was a, he was like a David Moore, a guy who should be getting 20 or so snaps a game, uh, 
who can who can bomb it deep, make a contested catch, like a a decent good football player that was thrust into a, like a sixty five snapper roll game, which is just not where you want to be with Jermaine Curse. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but you know, great career, uh, big plays, uh, just awesome. Lakes High School to University of Washington to Seattle Seahawks, what a story! Uh, I just nothing but respect for Jermaine Curse. Um, and like I said, if you see that man. He's at the bowling alley. He's throwing a couple of pins. You want to say hi, you better have a beer in your hand for him or something because that guy should never pay for a beer in this city again. I cannot stress this enough. He is a, he is a legend of the Seattle Seahawks uh, that I, that I think uh, te- team, you know, in, in, uh, in, in uh, English soccer, they have a thing where a guy can be a team legend, you know, like where, and that's totally Jermaine curse, right? He's not, he's not an actual like league legend. He's a he's team that, legend. He, he's in that like Dan Wilson Mariners thing where it's like, he's not going to get any official honoring. He's just a guy that you remember. You're like, Hey, you did a thing for us for a while. Good on yeah. you. Jay Buhner. Thanks for that. Jay Buhner. Same thing. Jay Buhner's like team legend, you know, like bald hair. Uh, anyway, trucks, all right. trucks and more trucks. All right. You, you ruined <laughs> it. Night. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. All right. Let's talk about the play. Tristan Hill. Gator roll, Tristan Hill, uh, helmet to helmet contact on Russ. Uh, I, okay, I don't know how the league can purport to to be so pro player safety and say, oh, we care about player safety and let this guy run wild for another week after that. He had, the, the co- you can tell me that he had no intent all you want. He It's not one play. If it was only the Gator roll play, I might be willing to forgive it. But that that dis, he had a despicable late hit on Russ as well. It's just there's nothing there's nothing uh, else to say. It was bad. It yeah, was really 100%. bad. Yep. Uh, it looks like the NFL is not doing anything yet unless I miss something. Um, Mike McCarthy, you're going to get fired in a couple seasons. Shut your mouth. Uh basically uh not not really uh sticking by his player too much uh you know when when stefan diggs was uh stefan diggs dear lord (laughs) quandre diggs was uh tossed out of that game like pete had a heart to heart with him pete went and said yeah that's not a good hit um i like that in my head coach that's what makes a great coach mike mccarthy yeah so all right uh let's go to just straight to the twitter questions um so and then we'll and then we'll hit offense and then defense. All right. So uh two of these we're gonna hit in the section. So Shoddy's play calling, we're gonna cut that in offense. Keem Griffin and Alton Robinson, we're gonna hit that in uh in defense. Um this is a good question though. It's from uh Emily. Do you feel like Russ's expiration date might be earlier than for Breeze or Brady? Russ doesn't seem to have much of an old man game, leaves heavy on his deep ball ability and ability to improv and scramble. So you know, like when leg, I think what Emily's asking, she's saying when Russ's legs go and we see it with other guys, Rivers legs are gone. His legs are gone. Uh, Drew Brees is having trouble driving the ball downfield now. Tom Brady's hit or miss. It's just like inconsistent, you know, but do you think that he might start to decline faster than those guys because he's more reliant on his legs or, or do you think it, his career arc will be similar long-term? I love this question. Yeah, it's a really it's a really like deep thinking question, and that's why I like I like made sure to highlight it. So I'll say personally, I think that he's on a pretty similar trajectory to Breeze. I'm not sure anyone's going to play as long as Tom Brady at the level that he does. That's just a very specific player. But the thing that Russ has, yes, he uses his legs a lot, 
So maybe his offensive line will need to be better when he gets a little older. You know, yes, he relies on his deep ball a lot, but that's the scheme that he's in. The fact of the matter is, Russ has pinpoint accuracy and excellent timing. So the system might have to adapt a little bit as he gets older, but I think he has a skill set that ages pretty well. I think he'll be playing in his mid to late 30s for sure. And for me, it's he doesn't pick up a bunch of soft tissue injuries getting himself hurt running. So while he does improvise and scramble, look at a guy like Ben Roethlisberger who also spends a lot of time improvising and scrambling. And I know it's not as notable because he doesn't rack up rushing yards, but watch a, watch a Steelers game. You know Ben Roethlisberger keeps plays alive for like 45 minutes by moving around with his legs. As long as he can not keep not picking up a bunch of soft tissue injuries, you know, sprained knees, sprained ankles, things like that, I think his legs will continue to stay healthy and he'll be fine on like a pretty, what you would expect an elite quarterback career arc to be, right? He'll stay on that career arc where he's good until he's in his late thirties and then maybe slight decline into, and then early forties, maybe serious decline. If he starts picking up a bunch of soft tissue injuries, okay, uh, that could be a problem. (laughs) And so that's, that's kind of where I draw the line for me is if he can keep avoiding damage, I like him to just continue to that, that upward trajectory. Okay, that or and then and then, you know, that slow decline into the late 30s. I don't uh, and he's shown in his career he's good at avoiding contact. Right. So Rogers is sneaky mobile like that, too. When you mention it that way, I'm optimist. I'm optimistic that he'll be able to do it. Um, But but like I said, if he starts to if if all of a sudden, you know, one year he's missing three games with a sprained shoulder and then he missing a couple games with a sprained knee, I, I might start to like change just my my ideas about it in general. That's that's my kind of marker. That's what I'm looking for as he as he ages. I uh, I love this question because this weekend I thought about it. I watched Russ uh, step into some short throws and it seemed like he uh, he was really trying to hit the ball fast. I think it was just the way his motion came off. I think he threw off uh, his back foot. Um, but it was it was one of those things where I thought like, oh, one of these days we're going to we're going to miss Russell Wilson. We're going to say like, man, remember those days we had Russell Wilson. And watching Lamar Jackson on Monday Night Football, I, I watched a few things. I was like, oh, I remember when Russ could run like this. And uh, age is a thing. It happens to all of us if we're lucky. Um, like Kevin said, I feel like he will have the Drew Brees trajectory. If you watch Drew Brees now, and they're similar in height, Drew, for the past few years, has had some like really beautiful passes, some really short off passes. And it's it's only getting worse year after year. So yeah, at some point, uh, you know, he will, he will start to, uh, go downhill, but dare I say, I do think it will be a while though. And I do think he will have a long, healthy career, uh, you know, God forbid any terrible injuries like Nathan was talking about. I don't even think terrible injuries. I think it could just be like small knocks that add up to like him wearing down. You know what I mean? He takes such good care of himself though. Like Mm -hmm. this guy has three personal trainers, uh, he wanted to bulk up after the year he got, you know, really hurt by Indomitian Sue, and he did it. Uh, he wanted to lean down a little after that. He wanted to build muscle that would actually inhibit his running and make him run more in a straight line. Um, and that was one of the things he wanted to do. The, the little things don't scare me. It's the uh, it's the habitual injuries, things like that. Uh, the big tears that would uh, that that's what scares me. We'll see. All right. Let's uh let's let's jump into uh offense. Let's start with the offense. So, it's Shoddy. Let's talk about Shoddy. The, the Seahawks are Stop calling. 
the site, the Seahawks, the biggest difference between this year and last year is the Seahawks are calling uh, in neutral positions, you know, first, first and second down uh, between the 20 and the 80, you know, 20 and 80 yards uh, in the neutral positions. The Seahawks are calling pass plays at the second highest rate in the whole league. Um, I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out this is what people have been asking for for years, that a willingness to throw on early downs in neutral situations. The Seahawks are doing it. And lo and behold, the offense is good. I do think that if this defense was better, Pete Carroll would would rein this in a little bit. This is a direct reaction a little bit to how how poorly this defense is playing. And he knows he's going to have to score points. Also, he can't ignore the fact that right now, his team is since he took over is like 58 and 0 in games where they lead by four or more at halftime. He knows that if he gets up early, his team wins games. And it's now there's an undeniable data set that supports this better than the data set of if we run X number of times we win, right? So he's um he's getting pushed in a direction, uh, which which I think is is causing us to throw more. That being said, shoddy in the skybox, calling the uh, pass plays. This is Russell Wilson's offense now. Uh, unequivocally completely and uh, it's great to see the team the team looks really good i mean we talked about what we thought the school would look like before the season we talked about a pass how we the hints were there that this is going to be an up-tempo offense and it really is they play fast they they throw the ball they're willing to take shots on any down it's a scary deep offense to try to guard and if carson gets healthy it's going to get scarier because with healthy carson if they start mixing in a, a like you know an inside run every once in a while where all these guys are running backwards to to cover deep players he only has to run one guy over to get 20 yards, you know, and, and we all know Chris can run one guy over. So you might, I'm, I'm excited to just see like this. I don't even think this offense is in its final form is what I'm saying. <laughs> I think that, I think there's like a, a form past this form where, cause right now they're not running super great. They're, they're block run blocking well, but I feel like the run game is, is not looking super good. And I think that they, when they, they're able to get the run game going, not for like, I don't want them to run 30 times a game. Let me make that clear. But when those 15 runs start to actually be effective, you'll see them gash people. And those those plays are, are backbreaking for a defense. I'm excited. I think there's another f- a level up for this defense still. Yeah, I think what you start seeing is what P would want to see, and if the defense was better, we'd probably be seeing it, is get up early, have all the quick play passing and everything in the first half, and then play with your lead in the second half and lean on your running backs and take your shots. Ooh, so a little brown like chuck there, class. Kevin. Exactly. So you might see that, you know, maybe not necessarily run, run, pass in the second half, but you might see things setting up. One thing I noticed about the passing game that's interesting, will we all agree, Russ had a bit of an off game. The accuracy was not pinpoint. He was putting it on his players, but like he was a little high, a little low. He skipped a pass into Lockett. Um, there were a number of times people had to reach. He was not his most accurate self. And he still was 27 for 40, 315 yards, five touchdowns, dropped one in the bucket to receivers deep multiple times. This the, was an off game for Russ, and off Russ was thing better is, than on Russ some years. All of all of his off plays, though, were under pressure in this game. Yep. In this game, he went six six for 12 under pressure for six yards, got sacked four times, uh, had to throw two away. Uh, just wasn't as good under pressure as he has been throughout this season. Uh, and I, I think that it's tough when, when the other team gets pressure with four guys, obviously an offense is going to struggle. And a lot of the plays where he struggled were just regular rushes where like uh, Alden, Smith, Alden, Smith, Alden Smith 
got in the backfield or, or tank got in the backfield and they, they have good defensive ends. We talked about the, how this is a possibility that our pass blocking wouldn't look quite as good as it did the early in the season. But the thing is, is that the pass blocking was plenty good enough. And I'm going to give you a couple stats to back that up. Um, there's the Seattle Seahawks have had 15 plays this year where all blockers sustain their blocks for at least four seconds or more. That's that's, fir- that's yeah. first in the, that's first in the NFL. Yeah. Um, that's just a, and this is just a different team man. they're, they're, they're blocking. They have the second best pass block win rate improvement from 2019 to 2020. The saints were, are a little better. Uh, we're sixth right now in the league, I think in pass block win rate, this team is, is pass blocking really well, you know, other than like, and a guy like Alden Smith, who has made a lot of mistakes in his life, but is undeniably talented. Okay. So he, he makes a lot of, he's going to make a play. He's going to make one or two plays. You can't stop a really good defensive end from making a couple plays. Right. But what it is, is, is when everyone blocks, you know, you want to, you got to make your play, right? That's your chance to make your strike. And boy, howdy did, uh, did we, did we ever, um, I mean, we, the thing about this game, that's the most frustrating is that this game shouldn't have been close. No, this game 30 to 15, with uh, basically to open the second half with 14 minutes left in the well, third quarter, and the, the fluky DK mental lapse, just a just a fluky mental lapse. Well, and then the three state punts, and then you have uh, you know, it could have been put away when Trey got hit in the chest with the ball, and instead it bounced up for a first down uh, to Gallup. Uh, yes, like, there's so many fluky <laughs> plays like that where that's why it's this is again the same narrative as last week, you know. Uh, with Dak in this game, with Cam in last game, they're they're going like, well, just a little bit of luck, and Seattle would have lost. You're sitting there going, well, they had quite a bit of luck to get to that spot. Just a little bit of luck, and this game would have been a blowout for the Seahawks. Exactly, like, or just a little bit of less, a little bit less bad luck. Um, I'm going to go over some uh, some some Russell Wilson stats so far in this season because I think what he's doing is pretty incredible. We've all heard that he set the record for most touchdowns for the first three weeks. Although I will say when Patrick Mahomes set the record a couple years ago, I feel like I heard it way more. So I'm just, I'm just going to say, I feel like Russ is being slightly disrespected. Um, not like totally disrespected, but how about this under pre when under pressure this season, Russell Wilson, 139.8 NFL rating first in the league when kept clean in the pocket, Russell Wilson, 135.3 rating first in the league. When doing a play with play action, Russell Wilson, 146.9 rating, first in the league. So far this year, his adjusted completion percentage, because he has had a staggering eight drops, third in the league. His adjusted completion percentage, 90.5%. Okay, first that's first in the league. His deep passing rating, his deep passing rating is 159.3. That is good for... Personally, second in the league. Oh. <laughs> ah, all right, got him. Jared Jared Goff's actually first right now. Uh, Jared Goff. Uh, Jared Goff is the, Jared Goff. Jared Goff is five for five on deep throws with one touchdown. Russell Wilson is eight for twelve with six TDs. Uh, I'm just gonna say uh, I'll take I'll take Russ. I'll take Russ. And and he should have seven TDs, and that might might have pushed him over the top if that counted as a completion there. So okay, Russ has been absolutely fantastic. Right. We all we all agree. We all know it. Russ has been amazing so far this week. We got to talk about this pass blocking, though. This is a this is a revelation the way these guys are pass blocking. And I went back and watched and I watched like basically only for pass blocking. Okay, And they did allow some pressures in this game. But I thought overall 
universally, this is a really solid pass blocking offensive line. They looked good the whole game. I was very impressed. Uh, worst pass block in the game, Kevin. Kevin, can you give me the worst pass block in the game? Oh. Carlos. Carlos Hyde again. Oh my gosh. Oh, man, don't yeah. ever put him out there to pass block again. I don't want to see it. the opposite of DJ Dallas. I don't understand how this guy is. He won one pass blocking opportunity, gave up a, pres- a hurry, and it was a bad pass. Really bad pass block. Oh, I, can I do another sh- can I do a quick shout out on this? PFF rating in this game of pass blocking of 3.1. Better than 0.0 last week, but still really bad. Improvement. Okay. All right, I just want to give a quick shout out to Mike Ayabadi's mom for getting a job evaluating blocking for PFF. She's doing a great job because, oh man, her baby boy is getting some very kind statistics. I thought he was fine. I actually watched Meet You Potty on every play because I knew you were going to do this. Yep. And I thought he was, there's like one or two bad he gave plays. up two pressures. He was credited with zero pressures. Yeah, both those pressures went to Russ on those plays, which I don't really totally get, but... <laughs> <laughs> but but I I thought he was fine. I thought he I thought he was fine. I agree. Yeah. If he'd have gotten like a seventy four or something, I'm fine with that. I think but, better. I thought he's better than that. I think I think all the guys were were seventies or better. Like I thought some of these guys deserve eighties, and I'm fine with him being one of them. That they, they looked they looked really solid, especially in the middle. Like the middle, yeah. there was not a lot of interior pressure in this game. It was the tackles especially that had, those injuries. The tackles had big, bigger struggles. Um, run blocking, uh, I think I was okay. Like I said, I think run blocking could be better, and it's a little bit of a work in progress. Uh, I want to see us run block a little better just because it will help us salt games away when we're ahead. When we're ahead 15, you know, running running a couple times and being successful there will let us put the game away. And Carson was averaging 4.6 yards a rush. You know, like I, if he doesn't pick up the ding, maybe we do just put the game away. But Carlos Hyde is untrustworthy. We know that from the blocking. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I will say I uh, Eric's close personal friend Ethan Posich. Yes. Um, his his dining companion. He's watching uh, over all of us because he's a thousand feet tall. That, that boy, good. <laughs> that, that boy, good. Dude, uh, Posich out in space, man, becoming one of my new favorite things. There were a couple of times where he was pulling or trapping, and you saw him get out there on a block, and you just saw like linebackers going like. Oh man, like you could just see it in their body language when they saw him get out there and there's just like this water buffalo running out in front of our running back and no one wants a piece of that. It's like when Dwayne Brown gets out there. So I feel like Postage has slotted in and brought a really good stability to the center position and brought a level of athleticism that I don't think Brick could bring to some of these outside um, run and uh, screen game plays that we've been doing. So I've really liked that. He's he kind of stood out to be this game. Yeah. All right. Postage looks small when he's out there, which is I made the joke about him being a thousand feet tall. But in the line, when he gets out in space, he's a massive body, but he moves like he's small. That's a huge compliment. Okay. Uh, Anybody anybody else you want to mention on the offense? I mean, I obviously we talked about DK. Uh, Tyler was great. The the three touchdowns. Uh, I don't think you need to like. We need to belabor that point. The drops are getting kind of weird. I don't understand. We have four drops in this game. And like I said, we're towards the top of the league in dropped passes. It's a little frustrating. Uh, two don't from really... Lockett. That's freakish. Two from Lockett, one from Olsen, one from Metcalf. Those are like our best players. Metcalf, obviously, with the boneheaded play of the year. But one thing I, I will say about that is there's no way he does not learn from that. Mm-hmm. He's the kind he's the kind of guy who will be motivated by that. And I do suspect that it will lead to better play from him in the future. So I'm not super worried about it. 
He's a guy that seems to get better um, mentally, which is important. Um, I'm, I'm not mad at him when he does that because in the past that would have been something like that. And the fluky play where Gallup, you know, caught the, the, the ball off our defender's chest. Uh, that was, that was something that used to scare me. I had no fear this year. This was like, yeah, we're, we're still going to score. It's not going to yeah. matter. Great football teams. And this offense makes this a great football team. Let's just make that clear. This offense, if, if they can stay healthy is a great offense and, a great football teams find way to find ways to win games. They don't find ways to lose them. Mm-hmm. And this this team this team finds ways to win games despite bad things that happen, despite uh, problems. They they did it. Um, one of my favorite visuals this whole game was Jamal Adams with his groin injury, kind of like jumping around but limping on the sidelines, <laughs> just like cheer, cheering and yelling at the guys. And and I, I just think there is a spirit around this team. And I hate being that guy because I am a. A numbers X's and O's numbers, not a like character matters guys, but there is a spirit around this team that I think is kind of undeniable right now. They believe they can win any situation, and it's the it's the kind of spirit that leads to like that comeback in the Packers game, right, where they yep. were down by so many points and no one on earth thought we could win. And that this Seahawks team is the kind of team that will do something like that, right? That will one hundred percent. It's it's that's that's how good they are. So, so two more offensive things. Um, one of them, Swain again. You know, you you dust off the Swain. You bring him out, show him off for a play, give him a thirteen yard catch for a first down. And then then you file him back away. Don't want to use up all the Swain at once. It's like uh, one of those really expensive seasonings that you only use a little bit every once in a while. Um, the other thing is uh, the combination of Jacob Hollister in this game and Skybox Shoddy. So if you look at the way the goal line plays were drawn up, um, the first one ended up being a boot right and a pass to lock it for an easy touchdown. And then if you look, that play pushed the defense back on those kind of play action or boot action plays where they now had to play a little deeper because they were worried about that wide receiver dragging across. So what do you end up with? You end up with Hollister at fullback coming out of the backfield on the play action fake and catching an easy touchdown and then an easy big two point conversion to make the lead seven and make it so they couldn't settle for a field goal on the tie or the win. So those are a couple of things along with uh, the other locket touchdown where he dragged from the right to the left side of the, uh, the formation um, during the play and they're playing zone on one side man on the other. And he just ended up running open in the left side of the end zone for a touchdown. Greg, those are things I think are good in are a good instance of um, both Russ being able to see the field, but I think Shoddy being able to see the field differently from up top and notice things he could point out to Russ. Greg Olson too do, does this thing that I love, where he just like finds space in in between zones and and makes catches to, to move the chains. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah, that fourth down just, play. It's just so simple. The things he does, he, they're not. It's he's not re, he's not out there reinventing the wheel. He's not the best athlete on the field anymore. But he knows how to find space on a football field, get open, and of course, we have the most accurate, greatest quarterback who's going to find him. You know, I, I mean? love how savvy he him. is. Not only finding space in the open field, but with no no crowd in microphones, you can hear him talking to the ref every time. Every time, and it's it's not like how Detlef Schrempf used to, used to do it with the Sonics. It's not annoying. He will say something like, hey, uh, you know, uh, what do you say? Like uh, hitting the corner that I'm not allowed to be impeded. Uh, just letting you know. 
uh, the other time he said, come on, man, are you serious? Uh, on, <laughs> on a hold. Yeah, it was just little things like I'm trying with the crowd not being there. I'm trying to find new ways to enjoy the game and really listening to the players. It's it's kind of it's revealing. Greg, I can Greg, Greg Olson, savvy vet, right? All right, so let's go to the defense. I think there's no other place to start but with the guys who were forced into action. There were three of them, three big ones. There's another, there's a fourth one, but he he started the game. So there was three players who, as the game wore on, got more and more playing time because of injuries, because of problems, and they they were kind of the three heroes of this game. Shaquem Griffin, seventeen plays. 12 pass rushes, five cut, five times dropping back into coverage. Um, did good and did good the one time he was targeted in coverage, got a got a pressure. But the thing about Shaquem Griffin's performance is that they used him in this like hybrid linebacker role that he really he really excelled in that role. Looked really good. Uh was looked good like he dropped back into coverage a couple of times, looked good. He passed the passer and looked pretty decent. Like I like him. If we're going to play games like they did, a they did a lot of looks that had three down linemen and three line, three linebackers behind them so they could kind of try to disguise where the blitz is coming from. If they're going to play games like that, Shaquem Griffin is the perfect guy to be doing stuff like that is. And hey, on one of those plays where they're playing games, Jaron Reed dropped back into coverage, baby. It was so cool. Uh, yeah. Jaron Reed, Jaron Reed just run you know back pedal running backwards to cover the, the short hooks. I was like, yeah, that's my guy. All right, all right, let's do it. So, I mean. That kind of stuff is he's really going to do work in that role. And I'm excited to see him kind of um, grow into it and get, get, give it an opportunity there. Ryan Neal. Um, we talked in the preseason about how we thought Ryan Neal might be our like um, might have been our preseason crush if we could do it based on the stories we were reading. And I'm giving credit to you on that one. You were you were ahead of the rest of us on this. So like, I, you, you brought me aboard the Ryan Neal truth. Or truth. I, I read some like Ryan Neal can play all the secondary positions and Ryan Neal's like a heavy hitter stuff that I thought was really cool. And then, of course, he gets the game winning interception and just I think looks really solid. And I think we might be seeing Ryan Neal as uh, the next like Deshaun Shed where he's a backup sometimes a starter, but always kind of a potential contributor at a bunch of different secondary positions. And I'm here for it. I love it. Of course, the biggest one, Ugo Amadi. Ugo Amadi plays 69 snaps in this game. Nice. Yeah, that's what Tyler Ott said too. He tweeted it. Seven tackles, targeted uh, three run stops, and targeted a staggering 11 times in the passing game. So you might think, oh man, 11 times. He got he gave up seven catches. Oh, that's not good for only 39 yards and yep. got two clutch pass breakups. Ugo Amadi was excellent in this game. Tar- passes targeting Amu- Ugo Amadi went for a 69.9 NFL rating. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was a nice game all around for Ugo Amadi. I I cannot stress that enough. He looked really good out there. Um, Ugo Amadi has tremendous value to the Seahawks for the same reasons Ryan Neal does. Flexibility. He can play in the box. He can play deep safety. He can play in the slot corner. Um, he is a versatile player who really brings it. He's a huge competitor. I love Ugo Amadi, and I'm really excited once again to see him keep growing in his role. That Ugo reminded like- me of Justin Coleman in this game, too, where there were a couple of plays where he just flew up and made a run stop or made a hit on a guy in a zone uh, or in a um, a screen game play. Like there were just, there were a couple of plays where he kind of flew up from the nickel position and hit a dude like a safety. And it was the exact kind of play that you want to see out of that role in this defense. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to say something about Jamal Adams though. 
Um, Jamal Adams right now is rushing the passer too much. Um, he He's good at that. Don't get me wrong. 13 pass rushes, though, in this game where he only played 53 snaps, that would have been the same as the most pass rushes he had in any game all of last season. Um, he's already on pace to destroy the most pass rushes he's had in a, a single season. And while he is a good pass rusher, I think overusing him in that role is uh, a waste. They, we don't, you don't, you, you don't want your best pass rusher to be a safety. So, and he is really good in coverage, and he's really good in run defense. So I think that, I don't know, I think there's some middle ground here that they need to find with using him right now. It feels like they're relying on him to create pass rush because they had they don't feel like they have other options. And I got a comment on that. The defensive coordinators of our team need to be more creative. They need to figure out ways to get other guys off in the pass rush game. They can't just we can't just have Jamal Adams blitzing be the answer. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> it makes sense, but I don't I don't really know what they're going to do. We didn't have did. a preseason to try that out. Okay. What do you what do you got, Kevin? Uh so the reason why we're doing Adams I think is if you look at the way that our pass rush is constructed, we have Reed who can push the pocket. We have Monet who's showing a much better ability to push the pocket than I anticipated. And then we have a couple of really big ends. Collier's a big end who can push a guy back. And so is Alton Robinson. Mo- Monet and Puna at, at nose has been a, a surprisingly like I thought Puna would be fine. But then as as we've said before, I think Puna, as he goes over 50 snaps, start to lose it lose effectiveness you know he's like really kind of a 40 to 50 snap a game kind of guy and uh monet's been able to fill in the rest of the snaps that knows and yeah. be fine and and it's like now we can use we can unleash puna for like the correct amount <laughs> we talked about this in the past with averill and bennett and when we had all the different pass rushers and we'd say like these players play best when they're in a rotation it's it's really hard as a pass rusher like we played 82 defensive snaps in this game like asking a pass rusher to play like 70 snaps is insane. Okay, that's way too many. So like being able to rotate these guys in and out, which the maximum snaps a pass rusher played in this game was 54. So I do think it's be- it's better. You know, it looked it looked better than uh Yeah. it would have. And I think what what you're seeing is like any combination of Robinson, Collier, Ford, Green, like we've got these big ends who are really powerful these big DTs who are really powerful. And so what Adams brings more so than even Bobby, who's a really efficient blitzer and he's also blitzing a lot. Um, But Adams brings a speed rush that we don't have until Quim Griffin hit the field. And Quim Griffin provides that lightning quick speed rush. And I think you saw that the difference between the final drive in the Dallas game and the final drive in the new England game was kind of quim like he came out there and he was a nightmare for their left tackle you saw him knock the guy off balance he had to be held a couple of times like he just provides this super fast fly off the edge you know he's he's good enough in coverage that he can drop back and not embarrass himself like like other guys can and yeah and i mean in this game in particular i'm going to talk about this 3-3 look again um i mean most of, uh, sorry, uh, Jaron Reed had more snaps at end than he did at tackle, like where he lined up on the field and either right end or left end. He actually played on both sides. 
uh, and because of that that in, that three three look they were doing, right? They would bring out Collier and then a nose and then Reed, and then they put three guys kind of standing or playing a game behind them. And who's going to rush? I don't know. But that I think like interesting looks like that are how we're going to have to come out of And Shaquem Griffin should be a big part of that. You're right, Kevin, because he's he's got the speed to do to do the job, right? To to yeah. To drop into coverage half the time and be a threat to cover, but also to to get around that that left tackle that left tackle and bend around the edge. Yeah, and I think Mayoa also plays pretty well from that scheme. I think Bruce would play very well from that scheme. So I was excited to see that get pulled out. I'm with you. I think that kind of right. three three and really only two guys with like their hands in the ground too was a really interesting thing to see on passing. Down. I just I just really need to see Mayoa like. I need to see him be more efficient in the pass rush. Like right yeah. now, right now, I, many snaps. right now he either needs to cut his snaps by like 20 and get down to like 32 to, cause he needs to be hitting about 10% of the time for yep. him to be. And right now he's hitting closer to like set six or seven, which is just not, not there. Alton Robinson, I thought looked good in his debut, two pressures and 10, 19 pass rushes right above that 10% mark. We're looking for three run stops. Which, by the way, our run defense is awesome. The only thing that sucks about that is running sucks. So it's like not a, that cool to be that good at stopping the run, especially when your corners play as bad as ours are playing. Kevin, I know you have Except thoughts when you on get this. A safety. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It was pretty cool. It was cool too because in the in the Discord, I'm sitting there and I said, "Oh, we st- we got it on the one. We're gonna get a safety right here because our run defense rules. They better not run." And then they instantly run. He's tackled in the end zone. I was like, "Yep." Yeah, Pretty I like how they much. Tried to call it like, oh, Elliot slipped. And if you watch the video back, and I know you watch the line play very carefully when you watch it back, Nate, uh, as I'm sure you noticed, Elliot slipped right over Monet locking, lo- knocking Looney onto his butt and knocking it to Elliot. Like, it was beautiful. Uh, you say it may not be cool to run, but my favorite stat in this game that I grabbed was that is Zeke Elliott, 14 attempts for 34 yards. Chris Carson, 14 attempts for 64 yards. Uh, Carson got injured. Uh, the The Cowboys are playing from behind. That's still an impressive number against Zeke. I really love that. Yeah. So, yeah, as for coverage, I mean, uh, Quim played nicely. Wags played nicely. And then, you know, uh, KJ looked I think, exposed. I think Shaquille had an okay game. Like, I'll just say that. For a guy who gave up 151 yards, I didn't think it was that bad. Only five first downs. The one touchdown and the interception. I think it was fine. That not great, great, not bad. Gallup was like the the was the awful play that he had. Yeah, he, he just he he existed. I I would not say it was like it, it it didn't make me feel anything strongly. Amadia, we have already said was good. Actually, he was like Dunbar last game, where Jeez. I didn't like Dunbar's entire performance against New England, but he played well enough. Where I was like, we can win if he does that every week. Yeah, Trey Flowers. Oof. That was bad. Uh, this, is, up, this is why Dunbar won the job. Gave up, gave up a first down almost every time uh, someone touched the ball against him. Gave up big plays. 28-yarder, 43-yarder. Um, yeah, Trey Flowers had issues out there. They definitely two, call pe- two penalties that were accepted and two more where the play that was given up was bigger than the penalty, so it let him off the hook. Yeah. Um, they just – I mean, who is Cedric Wilson? And why did he get 107 yards and two touchdowns? Like, I'm not gonna lie to you, dude. I I uh, I like college football some, and I I've watched Boise State play, but I do not remember Cedric Wilson at all. And he killed us. Five receptions, 107 yards. He got a touchdown off of Griffin and Wright. Just and he got another 
like key first down on a short play to Trey Flowers against Trey Flowers. Just a rough, rough uh, outing for the for the cornerback group, and something that I think they really need to look at. Because right now, if I'm looking at the Seahawks, like how do I attack the Seahawks? I'm attacking the cornerbacks. That's how I'm. I'm attacking outside corners. I'm going after those guys. I don't care who the, who's covering who. I want to look. Where's there no safety help? I'm going to that guy. That's that's like my whole game plan against Seahawks, and that. It's not a good place to be in the 2020 NFL because there's a lot of guys who can beat you like that, right? There's a lot of quarterbacks who can beat you on, you know, two reads and go. So I'm uh, I'm nervous. Let's just say that I'm nervous about the secondary. They need to tighten it up. Luckily for us, it is a talented secondary. I think we all agree. Griffin and Dunbar have talent and Flowers is not as bad as he played this week. Okay. And we've seen all of these guys play better than they have been. So it's not just like they have the physical gifts. These are guys where we've seen that the average level of play is better than this. The it's just I'm a, I just think we need like I said, we need the second if the if the corners play better, this is uh this is an incredible. This defense can turn the corner so fast. Yep. The to turn the corner and the the linebackers need to we need to not hang, stop hanging our linebackers out to dry. We put them in positions to fail. But, yeah, but, Cajun uh, shouldn't cover wide receivers anymore if it can at all be helped. Yeah, that's just not a role that he scheme. Sh- scheme should not allow KJ to be covering some of the guys he's covering. Like KJ Wright in this game gave up receptions to CD Lamb. Nope, that shouldn't happen. <laughs> Michael Michael Gallup. Mm-mm, nope, don't like that. Cedric Wilson. Who is that? But he scored a touchdown on that play. So so uh, all this thing. Now Dalton Schultz ate him ate him up too. But I can accept that because you know you don't tight ends are tough. You have to make a decision and. Um, yeah, you got to make a decision what you're going to do with tight ends. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. So I'm okay with that. But the, the white, those KJ chasing CD lamb, I don't ever want to see it again in my life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or him chasing uh, Cedric Wilson, even though I don't know who Cedric Wilson is. I don't like that at all. So. <laughs> Poor Cedric Wilson. He didn't think he was going to get it so hard on this podcast. He's not <laughs> listening. So, all right. Uh, any other defensive news and notes before we head over to the uh, third phase of the game? Mm-mm. No, let's go. Let's go for all three phases. All right. So um, let's just say this: Jason Myers, automatic, never misses. Don't have to watch it. He's so good. Um, uh, my irrational confidence is fully being rewarded, and I will n- not accept that anything else. I mean, he's one for one on field goals, baby. Hundred percent, never misses. Fourteen for fourteen on the extra points. As far as I'm concerned, he's never going to miss again. Jason Myers, you have my full faith. Dixon's been great. He, of his 15 punts, 12 of them have been inside the 20. He's not allowing big returns. And I'll be honest, man, that one that bounced in the end zone, that was a beautiful punt. I just, the, the return team just wasn't quite there. He needed to hang, he needed to hang in a little bit longer, little, but little man, what a, what a really great punt. Uh, so I, I think that the Dixon's back. Dicko mode is back. It's uh punthub.us. Head to our website, punthub.us. It is, um, Michael Dixon is back, baby. Hey, I'll say this about Jason Myers. Honestly, uh, I watched film on him when we when we resigned him because I was like, okay, so this guy that we cut was this awesome kicker, and uh, you know he hasn't been doing very well for us. This is last year, and uh, if you watch film, he's lining up a little more, uh, like a little farther off, whatever direction he's he's kicking from. And dare I say he's looking as good as Butker or Lutz. It's it's quite impressive. I don't know if that was just something that he was trying last year 
or uh, if it was a confidence thing. I have no Kick- idea how kicking works. But kicking is kicking it. is like mental and also like tiny adjustments. And unless something's mechanically broken, like with Aguayo, which there's a, <laughs> there's there's some really good stuff on Twitter that like uh, ex kickers doing breakdowns on Aguayo and talking about why his plant foot, the way he plants, was going to always lead to inaccuracy issues at, inaccuracy issues at some point. But like, unless you're like that, it's really like a lot mentality. I mean, then there's certain guys like Justin Tucker who just have it. They're just the goat. But uh, Jason Myers, you know, he he's a good kicker. I think that at this point, it's pretty undeniable. He's a good kicker. He's not going to cost us any games. Is he is he actually the goat? Like I like to meme. Mm, probably not. But he's but he's solid. I'm, he's I'm a Hauschka type guy. He's a Hauschka kind of guy. Like however, however good you felt about Hauschka when Hauschka was playing well. That's how you should feel about Otto Myers. Uh, you know who was a pleasant surprise on special teams before they were a pleasant surprise in the game? Uh, on the watchback, Ryan Neal popped out on tape to me a couple of times. Yeah, he was one of the guys who got down there to cover the muffed kickoff and yeah, got down there for another hit on one of the What? Points. Dude, Tony Pollard. I feel bad for him because I get what he was trying to do. He was trying to get in the end zone so he could touch the ball and touch it back. and then and then then But then there was already a guy in his face, and it's like, oh, no. Oh no! Our gunner's gun too hard. He did not anticipate. Okay, let's. Can we talk Miami Dolphins? Miami Dolphin football team. Okay, Miami Dolphins. Let me say this about the Miami Dolphins: uh, they can throw, which is a problem with the Seahawks <laughs> defense. So I am a little bit worried that they're going to be able to to throw on us and make it into a more interesting game than it probably should be. Our offense is light years ahead of them. Like we should be able to to outpace them. Um, there are thing their their defense is horrible, much 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 worse than ours. Um, their coverage grade right now in PFF rating thirty first out of thirty two, and they are not good at covering. Um, they've given up except for the Jaguars game. They allowed you know twenty plus points to the Patriots and thirty one points to the Bills. This should be an easy 30 points for the Seahawks. So the question is, can we slow down sex God himself, Mr. Chest hair, Ryan Fitzpatrick enough to <laughs> enough to uh, do it. And the funny, funny thing is, is that we'll probably be able to do it. Yeah. But the thing is, Fitzpatrick will make a mistake. We'll get a turnover and that will be the difference in the game. Um, doesn't matter really what else happens. Russ is going to run wild on this defense. 30 plus points for the Seahawks. 20 five-ish for the Dolphins. And that's where I expect things to end up. Do you guys, is that how you guys see it as well? Um, Here's the thing about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzmagic, as it is, needs to get going. If we can stop him from getting going early, which could just happen because Fitzpatrick sometimes just struggles because he's not a starter in this league. Um, I, I don't really think it's going to be a shootout for that reason. I think he'll have some some beautiful deep balls thrown. I'm sure he'll have a couple drives. He'll be like, wow, that was really good. But I still think this is going to be a big double-digit win for us. Yeah, I'm kind of along a similar set of lines. Um, Miami runs a really similar uh, man-heavy scheme like New England does. Um, New England, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, New England ran the most man coverage in the NFL in 2019. Uh, Miami ran the third most. Uh, overall, they have a pretty similar defense to Dallas only with kind of less talent, but kind of better scheme. I mean, you get what they're trying to do, right? Like they have Byron Jones, Xavier Howard and Noah in big in They have these, 
talented cornerbacks. And so they're like, okay, go out there and beat your man. But they aren't consistently. Yeah, the thing is, like, who's going to man up on DK and not get beat? Who Who's going to man up on Lockett and not get turned around on an option route? Like, that's our, our receiver room should feast. Well, another thing too is isn't is Byron Jones was hurt last week. I don't know is yes. he is he back is he back this week? Uh, I believe he's uh, up in the air still. He's it's a, he's working extremely hard to get back as soon as he can. Yep. He did not play on Thursday in hopes of playing against the Seahawks. So I yeah the thing is is I get what they're trying to do right. They are trying to use they they their talent center on their defense is these cornerbacks. So let's they're playing New England's defense. They have a New England's old defensive coordinator right. Yep. And they, they want to they want to press you on the outside and, and like you said, Kevin, how do you stop DK Metcalf? He is a physical marvel well, that we should all be amazing. New England also ran New England's defense and they ran them with some of the best corners in the league and got torched. So Sim- similar level of cornerback talent, I agree. Yeah. And so then you have Fitzmagic is high variability, but he's not as mobile as like Dak Prescott. And I feel like their offensive line is the same or worse than um, Dallas's offensive line. So I think there's a good chance that we get pressure up front if we can scheme it right. Um, I'm a little worried about like uh, Mike Jasicki, I think could be a bit of a threat to us. Um, Parker, I could see, and Preston Williams uh, on the outside could be a little dangerous. But overall, I think this is going to be one of those ones where we're able to force a couple of turnovers. The offense is going to click. And since I went last, I'll throw down on score first. I have 38-24 Seattle. That's really close. I said 30s for Seahawks, 20s for, for da- Dolphins. And I'll just stick with that. I'll stay generic today. I won't put numbers on it. You can't put numbers on my picks. They're just... Uh... <laughs> well, I will say last game, you guys, we all did pretty well too. Because it was 38-31. I had 41-32. Nathan had 38-28. And Eric had 42-38. So I feel like you did pretty good on that one too. Yeah, well, predicting points so far in the Seahawks uh, season has been uh, very successful. <laughs> yeah, opposing points less so, and that is hard to do. Um, I'll go next. Uh, I think it's gonna be thirty-nine. Don't don't. I, I'm just throwing out a number, uh, a high number. Thirty-nine twenty-one Seahawks. All right. Uh, there are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so, head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest for as little as $1.24 a month. Get in the Patreon. Listen to our uh, bonus podcast every week. Uh, thank you to those people that are contributing. Lucas, Timothy, Ryan, Cooper, James, Brett, Carrie, Tom, Michael, Brandon, Nick, Foles, Emmanuel, Jay, Warwolf. Nice. Bob, Richard, Kieran, Mike, Flocktimus, Keith, Michelle. Thank you guys for supporting the CXNS podcast, keeping us going. Uh, also, thank you to anyone who leaves us a review on iTunes. Uh, it helps us out. Uh, also, last thing, I'm trying new audio software this week. I know it's common to uh, say to comment on my audio soft uh, in the reviews. So I'm trying to change it. I'm trying to be better for you guys. Can you guys let me know, did it work? <laughs> <laughs> because I'll listen to like half the podcast, but if there's something I missed or if it didn't, if it you know, goes to crap in the ha- back half or something like I want to know. And also there are people that will hear this before I even listen to the half. Cause I, I've got open house tomorrow at the school and Oh boy, here we go. Movie club, <laughs> movie club. Uh, we're going to talk today about our favorite female led action films. That's right. Our favorite, uh, I would say girls who kick butt, right. Or women, maybe women who kick butt. 
uh watch it female yeah. kick assens all right so what <laughs> i just it was a play on assassin get it there's so many uh options but we we're going to do a fate we're going to do a fate 5 so uh the way we like to do that i like to do this is i like to give everyone like their 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 shot you know you shoot your shot and as long as like you know we don't just throw it away into the trash we'll keep move keep it moving so uh kevin what's your what's your uh film that you want to bring into the to the fave five okay so um there's a few that i think have to be in here but there's a few that i'm worried about being left out and i'm gonna go ahead and i'm stumped for one early i'm stumped for one early and i'm caught between two different movies i feel like one of them should be in there and it kind of represents both and both of these movies have uh, Shang Pepe, the uh, excellent um, martial artist. And I'm looking at either Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, or Come Drink With Me. See, I, I would have gone completely different direction for like my Asian uh, Asian uh, female, lead. female leads. So I like, if I wanted to change it, uh, or I, I don't know, I would either go like Lady Snowblood. I might go like Yes, Madam. Have you seen that with with Michelle Yeoh? I haven't seen that one. I Dude, have seen it, Lady Snowblood. I haven't seen that either. <laughs> yes, Madam is a is a bloodbath. <laughs> I don't know any other way to describe it. It's like um, it's like uh, I think that then when it was released in America, it was called or no no it was UK. It was called Police Assassins. Uh, and it's okay. It, it's just like it's just there there it's murder in time dude it's uh i don't know <laughs> michelle yo plays a senior, a senior like a police inspector who uh people die in this movie all right and then uh i like the assassin have you seen that yeah i i don't like it as much you don't like it as much i don't know i'm i i can accept come drink with me but i i like lady snowblood better do you like late come drink with me a lot better than lady snowblood Gosh, they feel pretty different. <laughs> I've never seen Come Drink with Me, but I'm I'm all for Lady Snowblood. This is Kevin's shot, though. So, and uh, I, I like Kevin's uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That's yeah, because the, the Come Drink with Me is like a it's like a wuxia film, right? Like it's like yes. the it's like the flying like it's got a little bit of that high wire act. Um, it's got some very cheeky dialogue, which is one of the things I like about it. Like, I mean, or the other option is if you do Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, you get both Michelle Yeoh and Chick P. Yeah, but I'll be honest with you. Like, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is better as a movie than an action film for me. I agree. I like, I like, Heroes the better. I like the, I like the movie, but I don't think, when I think of that, like, the action doesn't hit. It's good, but it's not like great action to me. And maybe this is going to speak to like kind of what I like in an action film a little bit. Which is like maybe why I'm I'm like more de- uh, I like Come Drink with Me. It's a good movie, but it's not. Uh, it wouldn't make my personal five. It's because I want my action to like hit hard. Oh, I think Come <laughs> Drink with Me has a couple of really good action sequences. I like want to see like get murdered in the. Uh, yeah, it does. Uh, let's go Come Drink with Me. Come Drink with Me has like three really good big action set pieces. I think that I think that's a totally good choice though. All right, uh, Aliens. I'm just gonna say it. I'm just get it out of the way. Aliens. Aliens is a dope action movie. It's a goat action movie. Ripley is amazing. A character when she's in the loader bot. There's nothing else. Few things live up to that. Uh, I think that not putting aliens in a list like this makes the whole list invalid. And I'm not going to, we're not going to be those guys. So not alien, which is a horror movie, not uh, alien cubed, which is a movie. 
I, I greatly appreciate the fact that I could rely on you guys to know that it had to be aliens, not alien. Yeah. If we were doing action movie and that that didn't even have to be a debate. Like that's, that's how I know I'm on the right podcast. All right, Eric, give us one. This is really hard because I feel like there's a gimme that we have to put in here. Maybe two. Um, I really want to give my gimme from long ago. And I'm going to go. Uh, I just I hope I hope you're not mad at me for this. Terminator 2 Judgment Day. I feel like that also had to kind of be on here. This see, there's only one more I felt like had to be on here, and it's not Terminator 2. I could have I could have lived without it. Although Linda Hamilton does kick at, kick ass. I, in that this movie. is why I went <laughs> instead of the one that may will I'm sure her will come bi- up her later. biceps her biceps dude. Yeah, well the the reason the one that will come up later we'll address when it gets there. But for Terminator 2, this came out in '94. 93 maybe um this was this is all over the news of like linda hamilton buffing up to try and be an action star she and didn't it was, try babe she succeeded yeah looking back at it it was <laughs> it was pretty it's pretty lame the way it was handled by the media and this this kind of paved the way man i'm just gonna say it um she's so good in this movie uh arnold's arnold in this movie but she holds her own against arnold schwarzenegger in an arnold schwarzenegger movie in his prime think about that that's why that's on this list um so that's our three is aliens t2 and come drink with me fury road Road. if we have to put fury road in, it's it's a once again it's it's too good uh charlie's theron it just crushes in this movie and like the this movie is too good if you leave it out it invalidates the whole list i agree yeah. Would you agree, Eric? It's, it's like, a great it's... film and it's a great action movie and it's okay. and it's a great, great movie. Movie. Yeah. Okay. Can, okay. okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some other stuff at you guys. Okay. Can and I think yeah, and I you guys too, so. you guys let me know, okay? Okay, so the other movies you could pick. I think Kill Bill is mm-hmm. a that is a was great, the one I was it's a very is a very uh like acceptable choice. You could go um sorry, you can go Kill Bill, you can go uh, Edge of Tomorrow, which mm-hmm. I think is an underrated uh Emily Blunt like action performance, uh, and you could go. Um, there was one more I had, but I totally didn't. Kevin, give me some of yours. Oh, Lady, had- Lady Snowblood. But that I think I think if you pick Kill Bill, you're kind of picking Lady Snowblood because it's like <laughs> right? so it's so influenced by the movie, and you don't know it unless you've seen Lady Snowblood. But it's just like, oh yeah, that he really was influenced so so much by this movie. Okay, I also had Hannah um, for a more recent one that I thought was well done. I like um, Hannah. It's a good movie. Uh, Atomic Blonde, which I think has some really good violence. What about La Femme Nikita? That's on my list. That is one of mine that I'm pulling for. I love La Femme Nikita. Not the remake in America, Point of No Return. Very, uh, uh, the, the original La Femme Nikita. Uh, I feel like, like Wonder Woman gets an honorable mention here. I think so, too. It, de- it deserves to be mentioned, for sure. Same with like uh, ro- like uh, Rogue, Rogue One and yep. uh, Force Awakens. Yep, uh, and I was going to say Widows should also the, be mentioned. By I the time if you guys are going to put that in here. By the time uh, you know the third, the Star Wars Nine comes out, Force Awakens is ruined. But but uh, but at the time you saw it, you know you're like, hey, this is building up to something be something pretty cool. Uh, okay, La Femme Nikita, though, can I say something really quick? Yeah, yeah. Um, it is like really like stylistically and like it's just such a cool movie. Yes. Uh, and I I think it people just forget it exists. I don't know understand why no one ever talks about this movie. Okay, so one, it was a foreign movie. It got press. Uh, it got popular on like laser disc and video cassette rentals. Uh, they remade it in America with Bridget Fonda. It's a watchable movie, but it's 
it's not good. I, it's not great. Um, and then they made a TV show. I, I think it just gets buried behind all the stuff that came out after it that references it. That's why I yeah. love this movie, and I'd the, love to put it on the, the TV list. show that aired after Silk Stockings late at night. <laughs> on yeah, the OG. I'm talking about up all night. Obviously, we're all talking about the same thing. The OG Luke Besson, like yes. 1990 La Femme Nikita. Yeah, I don't. I don't even think about all that other garbage. And maybe that is what but it I, is. I think is that all that other garbage like ruined the perfectly good yeah, La Femme basically. Nikita name. And now everyone's like, well, what about Lucy? And it's like, well, it's a it's a fun movie, but it's not a good one. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like Kill Bill and Edge of Tomorrow are the front runners for the seat for me. See, I would I would go Kill Bill and La Femme Nikita. That's that's actually what I have. I, I also would go Kill Bill and La Femme Nikita, which is funny. Or or I would go like completely out of left field and I'd just be like, let's watch let's watch Ms. 45 or something. You know what I mean? Like, let's just <laughs> let's just make this list real weird. So people Here's can... the thing. We have four right yeah, now. So we're saying two. Okay. Well, no, yeah, we have one more. It's yeah. Five. No, so, it's not. We don't. We don't. We already had Mad Max was our fourth one. Yeah. Yeah. So you have one more. So it can't so be Kill Bill. It's either Kill Bill, Edge of Tomorrow, or La Femme Nikita. Wait, have you seen have you seen Ms. 45 though? Have either of you guys seen it? Uh put it put it on your watch list ASAP. It's about like a this mute seamstress goes like nuts when she gets attacked twice in one day. It's got sexual violence, so if you're like trigger warning, you know, but like she I'm, I'm getting old boy vibes here. She just like starts murdering people. It's sweet. She like pretends to be a prostitute and then anytime someone tries to pick her up, she kills them. All right. Uh, and it, it's like it's like um, someone there's a review for it here. It just says disgusting garbage people getting what they deserve. The movie, <laughs> which is a great way to describe it. I just uh, I think if you like 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 the action kind of movies, I like the brutal violence kind of stuff. Um, then for also, I just have to mention Haywire, even though I uh, Haywire is solidly good. Yes, I like that movie. Soderbergh's good. Uh, there's a movie on Amazon Prime. I this doesn't belong in the list, but I want to mention it uh, just from what we're talking about. It's uh, Olivia Wilde. I believe she directed it as well as starred in it, and it's called A Vigilante. Okay. Very excellent movie. I suggest everyone go watch it. All right, so let's do. Um, we're gonna do La Femme Nikita then. Call it. Uh, it's, either, it's either Kill Bill or La Femme Nikita, and I didn't have La Femme Nikita on my final two, but I'd be willing to go with it. If both of you would rather have that of Kill Bill. I think we'd do it, Eric. I think yeah, we'd do it for, like for it. the we do it for the brand. All right, La Femme Nikita is number five. Kill Bill, we love you, but uh, that just close sweet. up that that close up foot shot in the first scene of the movie is just too gratuitous <laughs> for me. Screw you, Quint, screw you, Quentin Tarantino. For Kevin Garber, for Eric Ronovic, I will see you guys just next week. Go Hawks.